don't even know how you open a podcast. I mean, I've seen it done a thousand times, and typically the way they started is, I don't know how to open a podcast. I think that's how you open a podcast <laughs> for the first time, is I don't know how to open a podcast. <laughs> generic laughing, generic laughing. Gen- <laughs> It'll be great. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're going to be good at this. I guarantee, we're going to be good at guarantee this. It. How could it go wrong? Why don't you introduce yourself for uh, those playing along geez. at home? Alrighty. Well, um, I am Kevin Davenport. I am a junior in Covenant College currently. Um, I am a sociology major, as may or may not have been established already. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, my favorite color is blue. My favorite food is pizza or hamburgers. And you're basic. Yeah. Not, no, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. <laughs> my food choice is basic. Food I think cho- in many other categories, I wouldn't fit far, that. But. Far from basic. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and my co-host is... My name is Benjamin Jones. Uh, I commonly go by Banjo, though if that, you know, we'll just roll with it. I've never called him anything else. <laughs> so, ban- Banjo it is. Um, I'm an English major here at Covenant College. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a junior. Uh, looking forward to, to diving into some, some great texts here. I am not very familiar with Jordan Peterson, so this is going to be a, a new experience for me. Maybe we should explain it, what it is that we hope yeah. to be doing yeah. on this podcast. Yes, yeah. That's So that's that's what we're doing, uh, by the way. We're going to be reading through Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, and we're going to be reading through the book of Proverbs, and we're going to be having conversations about both of them um, and trying not to get in trouble as we do. And we're not experts in, in either one of these no, categories. <laughs> uh, Kevin is particularly familiar with, with Peterson. Uh, and I'd say mm. we're both probably about equally familiar with, with Proverbs. Yes. Kevin, maybe even a bit more so, honestly. Um, it's been a long time. It's been, <laughs> it's it's been, been a, minute. a long time. Um, but really, we just want this to be uh, a conversation. Um, and if there's anybody watching out there, hello, and we want you to join in on this. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we're very much excited to have a conversation about yeah. this and to hear what other people say, even yeah. if the other person is just... Anyone who literally walks into this room, we, we yep. have to ask them a question. So, Absolutely. Um, we're still kind of figuring a lot of this out, uh, including yep. the way that we want to go about doing this. The structure this. of the podcast itself. Uh, yeah, yeah. These are two very heady texts, Yes, I would say. Complicated. Yes. Uh, the English major in me says, just read them all at once. Um, Wouldn't that be nice if we could do that? And, and just dissect. But the reality is we're going to have a lot of conversations that are just kind of pop up naturally and I think mm-hmm. it'll be necessary to stop a lot and yeah and just start to have those conversations no matter where we are um, absolutely it's gonna be a lot of weird stuff I think in both for us to figure out part of what is really interesting is um, that I have a banjo is a is a pastor's son in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. Very Frozen conservative. Chosen. Yes. Very conservative yes. background. I he opened a prayer the other day with Father God, and I about fell out of my chair because <laughs> I just can't. I can't imagine that an op. Your 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 grandfather is rolling over in his grave, young. Man. I thought that was a pretty. Uh, I, I think that's an appropriate way to open a prayer. It's one of my favorites. Oh, I like it too, but it's not very OPC. No. Anyway, I also grew up in the OPC, but I have actually since left the faith and come back, and would now consider myself non-denominational. And I think. Part of what I enjoy so much about Jordan Peterson and his book, 12 Rules for Life specifically, is that it has a very humanist, I think a lot of Christians and a lot of people in general are wary of him because he's very humanistic. He believes strongly in humans' ability to determine themselves and that we have agency in our world. Um, And I think that it's actually, so I think this sort of I think this sort of marriage is really, this is a Bible if y'all couldn't tell, but I think it's very important um, because I think a lot of times, especially in sort of uh, Presbyterian Christian circles, there's sort of this this loss of the appreciation for the fact that we are created in God's image and that gives us a lot of responsibility and a lot of agency mm-hmm. in this world. We're, we're called to be creators of culture, which is, you know, something that Covenant is really big on. Um Anyway, and so I think that it'll be really interesting to go through this book, but I think it provides an amazing sort of supplement to um, what is, I find, sometimes a very uh, 
a w- agency less Christianity that we get from sort of Orthodox. Yeah, I, I can see that. There's a. I, I grew up from a very very Calvinist background, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and def- predestination, election, all those. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. has that's had varying levels of helpfulness in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, I would describe myself as Calvinist and, and having a, a a bend towards predestination. Mm-hmm. But I understand the and and that, ironically enough, I feel like I have a lot of agency in that. Mm. Um, but in contrast, I can, like yeah. I understand that feeling of yeah. it doesn't feel like I have anything to say here or yeah. to do here. Um, I think we've both also had a lot of um, struggles might be the wrong word, but maybe conflicts um, or battles to fight mm. with what does it mean to be a man? Um, yeah, absolutely. What does it mean to be a, a Christian man, especially in the context that we live in right now? We've had a, a recently, we've just had a lot of conversations of, I don't know what it means to be a grown man mm. in, in 2021, I think. Um, and so I'm really excited. Proverbs obviously is is wisdom literature from the Bible, just talking about oh, yeah. um, Solomon saying, hey, if you're going to be a, a, a young man and you're going to rule yep. the nation one day, this is what you need to know. And Peterson is, is saying, you know, if you're going to be existing in this world, if you're going to be, a, you know, walking mm-hmm. straight shoulders back mm-hmm. kind of a mindset, this is what you need to know. Um, and like you say, I think that's going to be bringing those two together and having a conversation of those two ideologies. Yeah. Though I think there will be some some interesting differences. Ultimately, I think bringing them together in conversation is going to be really helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting because Peterson did not set out to be sort of a a bastion of of masculinity or manhood or anything like that. And he would actually contend that his audience is not largely male. YouTube does skew male, and a lot of his content is on YouTube. So that's a part of it, but he actually didn't, but he's definitely come to be sort of, whether well, whether in a good light or not, he's sort of been painted as this champion of young men and sort of young masculinity in our culture today. Yeah. Maybe even the place to begin. I, I noticed, I was looking through 12 rules, there's kind of an overture in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Proverbs also has kind of an overture in the first... Yeah first little bit. Um, so maybe it would be helpful to read kind of some of the overture of both of those. Proverbs one is very brief. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, uh, I imagine the other one is not. And actually the forward to 12 rules, I think is also helpful for anyone. Maybe that would be the sort of thing that we just read through for anyone that doesn't know who Jordan Peterson is. The forward gives, I think, a very good uh, sort of addresses who he is in some detail. So that might be somewhere we could start as well. Yeah. It's probably, I, I, I get the sense there's probably going to be a, as far as reading material, I think we'll probably skew towards Peterson mm-hmm. per episode, but we'll probably yeah. talk about both about the same. Um, but we'll likely, because there's more Peterson words per minute, sure. we'll probably, I, I imagine we'll skew towards Peterson reading. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, how about we start with reading the Overture of Proverbs? Yeah. Is there anything we want Take to talk about? We can talk about it. Um, otherwise, we can just dive right into the, yeah. the Peterson overture. So, this is uh, Proverbs chapter 1. Uh, the heading is the beginning of knowledge. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So that's the first, mm. first seven there. And that's, yeah, that's, there. we could, we could sit here for quite some time talking about <laughs> just that. <laughs> yeah, and we could, we could really get, depending on who our audience is, we could really get into some controversial. Yes. Oh, I've been hit over the head with that with that one verse so many times. Are we talking about seven? Fear the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I, I thought that might be the wisdom and instruction. Well, yeah. it's interesting <laughs> even what you were saying about about Peterson being a humanist. As soon as I read that, I thought this is going to be a major difference mm. between these two. Is yeah. I, I imagine that Peterson, I haven't read Peterson very much, but I imagine that Peterson's theory is going to be to be truly human is to is the beginning of wisdom. Mm. Um and, and that's one of those things where I think he's like, he's so close because mm. you're right to be made human, to be yep. made in the image of God. 
but I think he's going to start with humanity. And here, Scripture says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's hmm. not even the understanding of the Lord or the studying of the Lord. It's the fear of the yep. Lord, um, which is a really interesting word, which I don't think means to be scared of the Lord. No, no. It's more to be in yeah. awe of the Lord or to be in, you know. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I actually, I think it's interesting that, that Solomon opens the book this way. Mm-hmm. Because he then goes on to not really talk about God at all for mm-hmm. almost an entire book. You know, it's, it's very unusual. You know, you've got the occasional verse, you know, the God, you know, the heart of the king is in the Lord's hands and he turns it wherever he pleases. You know, you do have the occasional verse where he's where he mentions the presence of a divine being. But a lot of it, especially this this next chapter that we're going to read is hear my son, your father's instruction and forget forsake not your mother's teaching. Um, he, he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, fools despise wisdom and instruction. But then he then goes on to talk about, okay, that is important and that is something that you should recognize. But also, that can't be taken in a vacuum. Let's now let's now get down to the nitty-gritty details of your father's instruction, your mother's teaching. Um, yeah, and even, I think... Even, not to interrupt, but looking ahead at, at the end of the chapter, the only other verse in there that has something to do with the Lord hmm. is... Uh, because they hated knowledge and it did not choose the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So it's the same. Yeah, it's the same concern as before. It's yeah, the fear of and the I Lord. think I think um, Peterson is in a similar would put himself in a similar place. Hmm. I think he he doesn't he 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 really does his best to try to avoid questions of of religion, um, and I don't think it's because he doesn't feel capable to or because he thinks it's unimportant. I think it's because he wants to be able to address. Again, much like Proverbs, he doesn't set out in the same way by saying, this is what I believe from a religious standpoint. He just decides to skip that bit, probably because he is an agnostic, I think. Right. Um, and then goes straight into, and so that's why I think this will be helpful is because Proverbs is a lot of discussion of sort of more practical, down-to-earth advice about how do we live in this world and what works and what doesn't, because that's that's kind of the... That's kind of what Peterson is saying is that there, there are things that just don't work mm-hmm. that people are trying. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a variety of things that that will that he'll talk about that may be very uh, sort of touchy subjects that he says, guys, this just doesn't work, and here's why. And right. I think Solomon is doing very similar things um, where it's like, son, I'm older, I've been around longer. Let me tell you what doesn't work. Prostitutes, for one, you got a lot <laughs> to say about that. You yeah. know, like, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think I think it's really interesting that there is that, but I think that it's also important that we read this first because this is how we should open the, this discussion, yeah. right? Yeah, it's a great point. As much as I, you know, I love Peterson, but he doesn't open the book that way. I do think that he's he may be a Christian, but I think the chances are good that he's agnostic, which means he just doesn't touch on the subject at all. Right. And even if I can respect him for that, I still want to open this discussion with the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. I think that's really important to yeah. frame our entire. Yeah, our entire conversation, and I feel like part of that is part of what's encouraging about reading Solomon first. Hmm. Uh, in this case, is this um, fools despise wisdom and instruction, uh, and part of that is just a reminder to come to this in, in humility to both of these texts to say, okay, uh, fools despise wisdom and instruction, and he'll go on to say fools despise discipline or mm. you know yeah. reprimand. And I think it's a, it, an encouraging word for us to say, okay, we're going to get hit with some stuff in this. Like it, almost every morning I think of Proverbs, uh, you know, the sluggard's hand goes down to the bowl and cannot bring it back up. Mm. Um, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And uh, <laughs> and poverty comes like a thief in the night. Uh, I, I think about that when I wake up and I'm like, oh, I don't want to. But I think there's going to be Don't, a little folding of the hands to rest. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, and so it's like okay, there's going to be parts of this that I'm like, oh man, I'm not doing that well. I'm getting yes. hit with this. Oh, the, yes, yes. And in both of these texts, I think mm-hmm. um, it's also I, I like that it starts with problems of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, um, because to me that even speaks to uh, it, it has the same ring as the genealogy mm. in Matthew. Yeah, um, and I think. I think that's intentional. I think there's even a little bit of a reminder here of this is going to be words that uh, Jesus will read, uh, that Jesus will obey. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that we're called to do, one of the, that Jesus calls us to do, that the New Testament calls us to do, is to be more like Jesus, to be perfect even as your heavenly Father yeah. is perfect. Um, 
And so I, I think this is an Old Testament text. It's going to be weird. It's going to have stuff that contextually doesn't make very much sense to us. Yeah. But I think there is something to be said for I, we got to understand what this means for us in this context, because that's what we're called to do in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. So how do we, how therefore do we live? Yeah. And how do we live in a modern world, I think is going to yeah. be an important aside to that. And I think the fact that he says, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, the richest man to ever live. Wisest even man today, to ever live. Also the wisest. Son of David, the greatest warrior in mm. Israeli history, mm -hmm. king of Israel. So it is kind of like a, I know what I'm talking about, y'all. Like right. I, and I think that's a great, um, sort of a great segue to... Um, the forward. Yeah. I think we should, I really do think that we should start with the forward. Okay. Because it is a bit lengthy, but it does sort of give... It's the sort of the same idea. It's like, why should we listen to this Jordan Peterson guy at all? Right. And you know, to those of you that are watching, you may have heard of Jordan Peterson. You may have some. You may have some unfounded beliefs about him. He is the sort of person that a lot or of founded. people talk about, um, and they don't necessarily know what they're talking about. Um, and so, I think it would be really good to sort of yeah. Wait, what did what did I? Oh, I was just saying to John that I, I don't know what we're talking about. John is our producer, by the way. Big thanks to John Hill. Say hi to John. Hi, John. Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> We're very Sweet. grateful for him and his efforts here. Um, and the forward is by, and it's, I think it's just interesting how how like this all happens some quite often. It's by N Dr. Norman Doidge. I have no idea who that Doidge? is. MD and the author of The Brain That Changes Itself. So he's like, I am also someone that you should listen to, as I talk about someone that you should listen to. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I think that's interesting. Um, but the forward is by someone else. This is yes. not no. Peterson yes, Peterson okay. did not write his own forward. I get confused be. on the preface, the forward, and the overture. Who gets to write what yes. for when? Well, the the preface and the overture, I think, are basically the same thing. Um, but overture is written by, and they're both written by the author. Both preface and overture are both right author. I've never actually seen an the overture from not. a book before. That's the overture is maybe actually I think less important because it talks about where the the idea for the book okay. came from. So we may actually end up skipping over that. Just Unless you're right particularly I can um, read in my spare time, as can our lovely as can we have intelligent yes. viewers. Yes, hopefully. All three of them. Fingers crossed. Hi mom. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. My mom is not watching this, which is probably for the best. I don't know. Down to two. All right. So down to getting down to the forward. The book is called 12 Rules for Life. And that, you know, we've got we've got the Ten Commandments and we've got and now there's more rules. And so it's it's whenever it's like we're talking about rules. I think that's something that. So that's the way that the forward starts is rules, more rules, really. Isn't life complicated enough, restricting enough, without abstract rules that don't take our unique individual situations into account? And given that our brains are plastic and all develop differently based on our life experiences, why even expect that few rules might be helpful to us all? People don't clamor for rules, even in the Bible. As when Moses comes down from the mountain after a long absence, bearing the tablets inscribed with Ten Commandments, and finds the children of Israel in revelry. They'd been Pharaoh's slaves and subject to his tyrannical regulations for 400 years. And after that, Moses subjected them to the harsh desert wilderness for another 40 years to purify them of their slavishness. Now, free at last, they are unbridled and have lost all control as they dance wildly around an idol, a golden calf, displaying all manner of corporeal corruption. I've got some good news and I've got some bad news, the lawgiver yells at them. What do you want first? The good news, the hedonists reply. I got him from 15 commandments down to 10. <laughs> Hallelujah, cries the unruly crowd. And the bad? Adultery is still in. <laughs> so rules there will be, but please not too many. We are ambivalent about rules, even when we know they are good for us. If we are spirited souls and we have character, rules seem restrictive, an affront to our sense of agency and our pride in working out our own lives. Why should we be judged according to another's rule? I would just like to say, this book will be funny sometimes, and hopefully will be funny sometimes. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. We're going to try harder than the book will. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. That's probably I, I that's say we'll, we'll try harder. That's probably that doesn't mean accurate. that we'll be funnier. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably not. Um, can I? Can I? Absolutely. Uh, it's interesting to me the her, her is it? What was his? Is it a he or her? Uh, her. I think it's a man. Yeah, Doctor. Ah. I don't know why I thought it was a girl. Um, Norman. Norman. Yeah, it's a guy. Sorry, sorry, Norman. Um, Doctor Norman to me. Um, is it? Deutsch, sir. <laughs> I think it's interesting. That he says that we we don't we don't like rules. Uh, 
Even when we know that Even they're good we, for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting though because what are the Israelites doing in there? They're they want a ruler. Yeah. They want <laughs> uh, a golden calf to rule them. Yes. Uh, so so, I think I don't I don't necessarily disagree. We're we're naturally mm-hmm. rebellious creatures, but I think maybe it isn't that we don't like rules, but we want to rule. That we came up with. Yeah. Yeah. And we want to we want to know that we control the ruler. Yeah. Um, which I think is is interesting, even in the, yeah. in the joke itself. Which is just makes me think of the Avengers and Loki. And it's like how how literally you just you're standing at the base <laughs> of a mountain that is volcanic out of nowhere. People because, touch it and they die because the power of God is sitting atop it, and you're like, what if we just like didn't believe that he existed? Not even, what if we didn't believe that he existed? What if we came up with our own guy who's probably more powerful in our own heads? Because yeah. we just, I mean, it's not like he brought us out of Egypt or anything. Yeah. It's not like he just killed the firstborn of every, Yeah. you know? Yeah, no, it's... Give me your earrings. But then people believe people <laughs> believe the earth is flat, so I'm sorry. That's I'm true. Just, That's we true. lost another viewer. And we're know? down to one, and it's not even three o'clock. <laughs> Oh, man. Keep going. All right. Why should we be judged according to another's rule? And judged we are. After all, God didn't give Moses the ten suggestions. He gave commandments. And if I'm a free agent, my first reaction to a command might just be that nobody, not even God, tells me what to do, even if it's good for me. But the story of the golden calf also reminds us that without rules, we've quickly become slaves to our passions. And there's nothing more. F- there's nothing freeing about that. So now he's going to go, you, you're, you're ahead of the game, brother. And the story suggests something more. Unchaperoned and left to our own untutored judgment, we are quick to aim low and worship qualities that are beneath us. In this case, an artificial animal that brings out our own animal instincts in a completely unregulated way. I have a thought. And I don't want to get it. I don't want to get a sidetrack before ahead, we even like make it through the forward. But I'm jumping ahead to Adam and Eve. Yeah. I don't know if he gets to that. Yeah. He, he, doesn't yeah, well, he have a whole thing? That, there'll be a whole thing. There'll be a whole thing. But what's your thought? But my, my thought initially is Adam and Eve, well, the fear of the Lord... Mm. It's the beginning of wisdom, mm. right? Well, Adam and Eve give up the fear of the Lord to seek wisdom. That's what the that's what Satan, the mm. animal, almost yeah. in the same yeah. kind of setup as this, and they end up having uh, you know a terrible time of it. Yeah. as do we all. So yeah. anyway, the un, the thought of unbridled passions and, yes. and all that, I just think is interesting, and I look forward to seeing how Peterson ties oh, yeah. that in later yeah, yeah. in the book. Keep and we're going. not even reading Peterson yet, technically. It's true. The old Hebrew story makes it clear how the ancients felt about our prospects for civilized behavior in the absence of rules that seek to elevate our gaze and raise our standards. One neat thing about the Bible story is that it simply doesn't list its rulers as lawyers or legislators or administrators might. It embeds them in a dramatic tale that illustrates why we need them, thereby making them easier to understand. Similarly, in this book, Professor Peterson doesn't just propose his 12 rules, he tells stories too, bringing to bear his knowledge of many fields as he illustrates and explains why the best rules do not ultimately restrict us, but instead facilitate our goals and make for fuller, freer lives. So obviously, apparently, Dr. Norman is not a Christian, Mm -hmm. um, and that will be things that we will run across things in this book where it's like, "Mm, I don't know if I really agree with that. But I think that we can actually... Even if we don't, even if we're, if we reject the idea that the author of the Bible made this story up to make it easier for us to understand, I think we are totally entitled to God orchestrated history in such a way that it's easier for us to understand. That's a, that's a really good point. You know, because God could have just handed us the Ten Commandments and been like, here, yep, that's it. You know, the Bible could be... He even directs the the golden calf. Like, that's a predestined, sinlessly used moment. And so I think that, uh, you know, all that Dr. Doidge is doing here is he's sort of, he's, 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 uh, he's, he's giving credit, but he's not giving credit to who it should be given. And I think that you and I can recognize that credit should be given elsewhere, Mm -hmm. but I think his point still stands. Also, I just want to say that every time we say Dr. Doidge, I think of a little corgi with glasses and lab coat. I will I'm really, really sorry, Doctor Deutsch. Thank you for that. <laughs> We're probably also mispronouncing his name. So, like, you know, please, you, please, you just insult to injury, Doctor Norman. If you're watching, if you ever watch, please correct us. Send us an email or something. Yes, please. That, or anyone else is also willing to. <laughs> if you send us also, an email, at this point, we will respond. That is true. Our at fan this point, mail is very low. It's very low. We should probably do something. We about read this. everything. Yeah. Anyway, all right, so now we're actually getting to the point where we talk about Peterson and why we should listen to him, so. 
Yay for that. Taking notes. The first time I met Jordan Peterson was on September 12, 2004, at the home of two mutual friends, TV producer Wodek Sesenberg and medical internist... Intern? I read that right. Internist, Esther that. Baker. It was Wodek's birthday party. Wodek and Estera are Polish emigres who grew up within the Soviet Empire. While it was understood that many topics were off limits and that casual questioning certain social arrangements and philosophical ideas, not to mention the regime itself, could mean big trouble. But now, host and hostess luxuriated in easygoing, honest talk by having elegant parties devoted to the pleasure of saying what you really thought and hearing others do the same in an uninhibited give and take. Here, the rule was speak your mind. If the conversation turned to politics, people of different political persuasions spoke to each other, indeed looked forward to it, in a manner that is increasingly rare. Sometimes Wodek's own opinions or truth exploded out of him as did his laugh. Then he'd hug whoever had made him laugh or provoked him to speak his mind with greater intensity than even he might have intended. This was the best part of the parties, and this frankness and his warm embraces made it worth provoking him. Meanwhile, Estera's voice lilted across the room in a very precise path towards its intended listener. Truth explosions didn't make the atmosphere any less easygoing for the company. They made for more truth explosions, liberating us, and more laughs and making the whole evening more pleasant, because with the de-repressing Eastern Europeans like the Sesenberg Bikers, you always knew that what and with whom you were dealing with, and that frankness was enlivening. And I think that right there is basically what we're I've, trying I've to do. I've got that written down right here. <laughs> I've got, speak your mind, an elegant party. Here the rule is speak your mind. And I, I think the goal should be a liberation of thought. Yeah. Like And truth explosions and, and truth hugs. Explosions. And truth explosions and hugs. A little, little side hug friend zone action exactly, over here. Exactly. Can't make our girlfriends too jealous. No, you know? no, no, no. Even Maybe we though- should change the name of our podcast <laughs> to truth explosions and hugs. <laughs> That could be the title of this episode. Tell us what you think in the Truth comments. Explosion. <laughs> Don't forget to like and subscribe. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I never it's, thought that I would actually over say yet. that. It's not over yet. We got, no, like we got, we got plenty of time. Don't worry. We're not going anywhere. I have lots of, yes. Oh, where was I? Yeah. Honoré de Balzac, the novelist, once described the balls and parties in his native France, observing that what appeared to be a single party was always really two. In the first hours, the gathering, gathering was suffused with bored people posing and posturing and attendees who came to meet perhaps one special person who had confirmed them in their beauty and status. Then, only in the very late hours, after most of the guests had left, would the second party, the real party, begin. Here, the conversation was shared by each person present, and open-hearted laughter replaced the starchy airs. As Astera, at Estera and Wodex parties, this kind of wee hours of the morning disclosure and intimacy often began as soon as we entered the room. Which I think is, we're, we're having this discussion in the commons of our hall at Covenant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I find myself coming to, co- I come to college and I instantly begin to do things and, and say things and wear things and be things that I'm not at home. I instantly, yeah. and it's not necessarily yeah. in like a super, it's not in a super noticeable way, but there will just be things that I go home and I'm like, I don't I ever do that. I can't do that. that anymore. Yeah, I just, I just don't, I just don't do that. And I think there's a degree to which you... And we come back on the hall and it's 1 a.m. and everyone's just sort of lounging around. It's a liberation and, of thought. Yeah. And we yeah. just sort of sit here and, and it's it's like the after party every night, which I think, yeah. is, I think is really, really interesting. And I think I think um, eventually we're the goal, and this may change, but one of our goals, I think, is to record this mm. earlier in the morning. Yeah. Um, and I think that in some sense, it's like having the after party of thought at the beginning of the day, mm. uh, which I'm hoping will be a kind of thing that really... It opens the day up yeah. for thought and for reflection because if you start at that after party and then move to the rest of the day, you're like, wow, this is a, this is just a great day. Yeah. Or maybe you're exhausted. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see how this goes. Yeah. Um, so back to Wodok is a silver-haired lion-maned hunter always on the lookout for potential public intellectuals who know how to spot people who can really talk in front of a TV camera and who can look authentic because they are. The camera picks up on that. Yikes. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> he often invites such people to these salons. That day, Wodek brought a psychology professor from my own University of Toronto who fit the bill, intellect and emotion in tandem. Wodek was the first to put Jordan Peterson in front of a camera and thought of him as a teacher in search of students because he was always ready to explain. And it helped that he liked the camera and that the camera liked him back. That afternoon, there was a large table set outside in the Sesenberg Biker's Garden. Around it was gathered the usual collection of lips and ears that look... Mm. 
loquacious virtuosos. Oh, loquacious is a good word. What a word. Yeah, th this is challenging me. I normally don't, I normally don't, I'm not afraid of reading in public normally, but this, this, uh, this guy's vocabulary is... You've, you've got some big, there's not some, only there's some, some big, big words, but you got some really hard... Some foreign names. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's tough. Great. I'm glad that I read Proverbs. <laughs> <laughs> Peterson is not quite as, is not quite as wordy. So as soon as we get through Deutsch, who we apparently just really like messing with, despite the fact that he's significantly more intelligent than us. I gotta um, say, Doge's writing is fantastic. I love, I, Mr. <laughs> Dr. Norman, I love your writing very, very much. If you're ever teaching a class. And we're on a first name basis already. This is great. I feel like I, I, feel like <laughs> I, I called, know the guy. I called him doctor. That's fair. That's Though great. if I'm allowed to call you Norman, I would <laughs> jump at the chance. <laughs> May oh, I call you Norman? <laughs> Around this large table was gathered the usual collection of lips and ears and loquacious virtuosos. We seemed, however, to be plagued by a buzzing paparazzi of bees. And here was this new fellow at the table with an Albertan accent, in cowboy boots, who was ignoring them, and kept on talking. He kept talking, while the rest of us were playing musical chairs to keep away from the pests, yet also trying to remain at the table because his new addition to our gatherings was so interesting. He had this odd habit of speaking about the deepest questions to whoever was at this table, most of them new acquaintances, as though he was just making small talk. Or if he did do small talk, the interval between how do you know Wodak and Estera, or I was a beekeeper once, so I'm used to them, and the more serious topics would be nanoseconds. I have a question. Hmm. Are there literal bees? Yeah. Oh, okay. A paparazzi of bees, not a swarm of paparazzi. I thought that I was imagining like newspaper men at this party no, we were, like, and they were all pictures. just they were all just desperately trying to avoid them yeah. by moving from chair yeah, yeah, yeah. to chair. No, 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 there's literal bees there's there. There's literal yes. bees. And he was a beekeeper once. He was. I Which see. is the sort of thing that he'll just randomly drop. You know, he's one of those people that mm -hmm. as you're reading the book, you'll be like, oh, you did oh, that too. Oh, and I was a beekeeper. Yes. And he doesn't mean it in sort of like, now I was, he's just like, yeah, just, I tried yeah, that. I did beekeeping. Mm -hmm. Also, I, I have a friend very much like that who mm -hmm. will, if you're at a party with him, if you're on a walk with him, uh, I, I love hanging out with him because he'll just be like, so what do you think about God? You know, like, it'll just be like this bombshell question. She's like, oh, I well wasn't prepared for that this morning. <laughs> but anyway. Yes. Uh, so he would, would transfer from small talk to serious topics in nanoseconds. One might hear such questions discussed at parties where professors and professionals gather, but usually the conversation would remain between two specialists in a topic, often a corner. Or if shared with the whole group, it was often not without someone preening. But this Peterson, though erudite, didn't come across as a pedant. Pedant. Pedant? Pedant. Yes. That's what the English major is here for. Thank, yes. That, yes. Yeah, exactly. It's my one what, job. No, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> but that's one of your many jobs. He had the enthusiasm of a kid who had just learned something new and had to share it. He seemed to be assuming, as a child would, before learning how dulled adults can be, that if he thought something was interesting, then so might others. There was something boyish in the cowboy, in his broaching of subjects as though we had all grown up together in the very same small town, or family, or had all been thinking about the very same problems of human existence all along. Which I think is true. That's what's fascinating, is I think that there's something that we are all thinking about the same topics. And Twitter, as much of a clustered mess it is, is, um, we should probably still bleep that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> clustered <clears throat> Cluster I, I hate that so much, though. That's Fantastic so Mr. terrible. Fantastic Mr. Fox, Wes Anderson, we love you. You're welcome, too. Also, um, George Clooney. We're going to toss you in there, too. I think that's... I'm going to name drop as really... many people as I can, hoping that one of them picks it up, <laughs> and all of a sudden we have a sponsor and a guest for our, for our podcast. Dude. I'm mean, not a sponsor, but a guest. If George Clooney came as a guest to talk about manhood and Proverbs and, and Peterson. I read his I read his piece with GQ. It was very, very interesting. He's, I, he seems like an amazing guy. I've never read GQ, but yes. keep going. Peterson wasn't really an eccentric. He had sufficient conventional chops, had been a Harvard professor, was a gentleman, as cowboys can be, though he did say damn and bloody a lot in a rural 1950s sort of way. But everyone listened with fascination on their faces because he was, in fact, addressing the questions of concern to everyone at the table. Yeah. We have a small table. But we do have a small table. Everyone's welcome. There was something freeing about being with a person so learned yet speaking in such an unedited way. His thinking was motoric. It seemed he needed to think aloud, to use his motor cortex to think. But the motor also had to run fast to work properly. I did not expect to be called out like that. His thinking was motoric. It seemed to need to think aloud. He was motoric. 
Also had to run I relate to that fast. so heavily. So I had to run. It has to run fast to work properly. When I uh, don't, yeah. when I'm not speaking, my brain slows way down. It's a very low idle, or a very high idle, I guess, well, going the whole time. And that's actually, I found to be a good thing. I found that when I, there are times when I need to slow down. Mm -hmm. There are times when I need to not. I'm still learning that. Think some, well, I am too. This, <laughs> this was a discovery that I made literally last night, that I could just sit there and not speak and that my brain would would slow down and shut up all by itself without me having to necessarily tell it to and so if there's ever something that i'm thinking too much about if i just don't talk anyway that's you that's, gotta teach me how to do that uh, well, maybe, uh, <laughs> when i when i figure it out i'll teach you slow down only with a pipe and a good book off <laughs> campus in a different season summer don't so worry about sad. it. Keep going. So sad. I'm wearing my Budweiser t-shirt to one of these things. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> his motor had to run fast to work properly to get to liftoff. Not quite manic, but his idling speed revved high. What Spirited thoughts were tumbling out. But unlike many academics who take the floor and hold it, if someone challenged or corrected him, he really seemed to like it. He didn't rear up and neigh. He'd say in a kind of folksy way, yeah and bow his head involuntarily, wagging it as, as if he had overlooked something, laughing at himself for overgeneralizing. He appreciated being shown another side of an issue, and it became clear that thinking through a problem was, for him, a dialogic process. One could not but be struck by another unusual thing about him. For an egghead, Peterson was extremely practical. His examples were filled with applications to everyday life, business management, how to make furniture, he made much of his own, designing a simple house, making a room beautiful, now an internet meme, or in another specific case related to education, creating an online writing project that kept minority students from dropping out of school by getting them to do a sort of psychoanalytic exercise on themselves, in which they would free associate about their past, present, and future, now known as the self-authoring program. That's what I'm talking about. He just, his breadth, his breadth of of knowledge and experience is just stupendous. Is the self-authoring program something that we can look into? Or is that like a course that he teaches? Is that a... An online writing project that kept minority students from dropping out of school by getting them to do a kind of psychoanalytic exercise on themselves in which they would free associate about their past, present, and future. I have no idea. We're gonna have to look into that. Definitely. self-authoring. Did, did you put that down? I wrote that down. So. I cannot read anything that is on that. Now that you pointed out, I don't know that they'll be. I don't know if you can see that, it's, but if you can, it's terrible. It's faster than mine, but you cannot read it. My handwriting says him. that I could be a doctor or his girlfriend. My girlfriend can read it, which I dearly love her for. Yes. So so interesting. Yeah, we'll have to look into that. Yeah, self-authoring. I was always especially fond of Midwestern prairie types who came from a farm where they learned all about nature, or from a very small town and who'd worked with their hands to make something, spent long periods outside in the harsh elements, and are often self-educated and go to university against the odds. I found them quite unlike their sophisticated but somewhat denatured urban counterparts, for whom higher education was preordained, and for that reason sometimes taken for granted, or thought of not as an end in and of itself, but simply as a life stage in the service of career advancement. Could you say that again? For, louder for the oh, <laughs> those in the back. <laughs> I did not, yikes. That, One that, 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 uh, I found them quite unlike their sophisticated but somewhat denatured urban counterparts, for whom higher education was preordained, and for that reason sometimes taken for granted, or thought of not as an end in of itself, but simply as a life stage in the service of career advancement. That That is that is pretty indicting, because even, even as a little kid, and this probably speaks to, yeah, probably some of the problematic mm. privilege in our society a little bit. I did think of college as like, yeah, just a de facto. It's just a thing that you're it's gonna, gonna do. happen. Yeah. And a very, very, very long ways away. But yeah. Right, yeah. I was like ten at the time and it yeah. would it would take years before I even got close to it. But I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go to college. Like that's yeah. just what I'm gonna do. Yeah. And I hope I hope that in some sense the a podcast like this, I was just thinking about this while you were saying that, um, trying to keep track of two thoughts at once. Hmm. But I hope that this podcast will be a sense of a slowing down and appreciating not only, you know, these books, but also the college experience and yeah. college education. Because um, this is a very unique time in our lives where we can say, okay, I'm going to dedicate an hour uh, yeah. every week to just learning about what it does it mean to be wise. Just because we feel like it, we're not getting paid. Right. Yeah. 
We, apparently, we have editing techniques, and I'm excited to see that. We do have editing techniques. I'm going to be amused to see that. But yeah, apparently, this is an adult podcast now. Because so we bloody feel like it. Welcome to the program. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Just is, that, is that better? These Westerners were different, self-made, unentitled, hands-on, neighborly, and less pre- precious. That's what it says. Where? Right there. Yeah. Yeah. And less precious than many of their big city peers, who increasingly spend their lives indoors manipulating symbols on computers. This cowboy psychologist seemed to care about a thought only if it might in some way be helpful to someone. And I think... Now, you and, now me and our producer have had so many conversations where I'm like... I say some sort of incredibly politically incorrect thing. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, that would never work because reality. And I'm like, well, okay, but suspend that for a second. Let's just talk about it. But I think that there really is value in Peterson and Proverbs and that they do talk about it's about life and it's about helping people and it's mm-hmm. about how do you live in this world? Mm-hmm. You know, like because there's a lot of, and I think that's just more applicable to the modern age than we realize. Like I think yeah. that there's this, you know, at some point along the way, someone was like, whoa, algebra is so cool. Everyone should learn it. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. like, okay, but also taxes are something that everyone has to do, and yet no one has any idea how to do them That's it, until yeah. you've been defrauded by a tax specialist who taught you how to do it for twice as much money as they should have been paid. Right. right? So it's. I think that there is some real value in reading books like these where almost everything in them is you know, either interesting because right. he's like, I was a beekeeper and it was interesting for these what reasons. What did you learn about being, yeah. from being a beekeeper? And he will, he'll talk about that. He'll talk about how, yeah, yeah, I won't get into that. That's a ways from here. But I think, I just think that's really interesting. Yeah, that that's a good point. There's a, there, there's value in hands-on knowledge that mm-hmm. is helpful because I've been in so many discussions about predestination and you just go round and round in sure. circles and ultimately people are going to believe about themselves and about their own agency, what they were probably going to believe anyway. Yeah. And so I think- It's a very I, hard switch to flip. Yeah, I'm, I find that and very interesting. I think it's, he keeps using this phrase cowboy and cowboy psychologist, mm. which I think is an interesting point to our, what we kind of started this discussion with about masculinity, mm. um, because there's something very appealing about this idea of a cowboy. Mm. but. We call them cowboys and not cowmen. Mm. You know, partially because cowboy sounds a little, it's got more of a bounce to it. It's mm. got some of the rhyme that you need, but it's it's interesting. And I wonder if if Peterson himself would push back against some of that boyish, because he, he's described him as kind of a boyish mm. character. Um, and I wonder, I wonder how Peterson would react to that because I, I feel like, maybe I'm reading Peterson wrong or I don't know him very well. But I feel like there'd be an element of boyishness that he'd appreciate. But really, he'd say, "I'm not a, I'm not a boyish person." I think now we'll get into this okay, at some we'll point in time. Later. But I think I, you know, assuming that we don't get canceled. Um, <laughs> but I think <laughs> we can't get canceled. <laughs> we already don't exist. This is the Twilight Zone. We'll find a way. <laughs> I'm on this podcast. It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> he we, he will discuss that okay. at some point, and I, and I think actually that Peterson, whether he's read the Bible, well, he's read the entire Bible probably better than either of us. True. But I think that he actually embodies as a person Jesus's call to have faith like children. Mm, that's a good. And yeah, that's to a sort good of point. and to sort of now he actually. But what's so f- interesting about him is that he doesn't just childlike faith is obviously incredibly important and that's what jesus is talking about in that setting and you know i i I don't feel the need to go on and on about that because it's in the bible so you and i both just assume right and probably most of our viewers assume that that is just something that we should do peterson takes that and takes it to the spirit of the law and says our discovery of 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 the world and of ourselves should Mm -hmm. be childlike to a degree right yeah yeah i think that the sort of the sort of fascination and um yeah, like what he talks about, that sort of fascination and that unbridled honesty and just like, but it's honesty that's willing to be challenged. Any child that goes up to their parents and is like, right, I figured out something new and you can't tell me otherwise, it, it, may, it may be cute, but any any adult person that has learned to do that yeah, and has not, that, that does that but has not learned to be challenged is in for a long and hard road. Ask me how I know. <laughs> but like... But there's, I think there's a degree to which many adults reject both and just don't right. express. And I think there really is a place for that sort of childlike fascination with the world we live in, but also an appreciation, but being willing to be challenged really and truly. Yeah. So I think that he actually wouldn't reject that at all. Yeah, okay, that's, that's a good um, point. 
Um, I think we've got about 10 minutes left in the program. Yeah. Do we want to keep keep reading? Do we want to have a little sidebar to wrap it up? What's your What's your feeling? What would you like to... You know, I think we just keep reading until we run out of time. All right. Let's... You know, because I, I think we're having great conversations, and I think this is good setup for... You know, this is, this is sort of free flowing like, postmodern kind of discussion. We look yes. forward to it. Yes. But could we really do it any other way? We couldn't. Yeah. We, I, I was about, you know, we are not structured human <laughs> beings, you and I. <laughs> I was about to say, dude, our brains just go where they want. I don't think we have much option. I think we're going to be lucky to get this to like, like all right, well, all right, now I, I, I got I really got yeah, it. It's very good that you have a dead end. Uh, yeah, if, I got it. If you didn't, we would be here for hours. Um, but yeah. So he becomes friends with this uh, cowboy psychologist. As a psychiatrist and a psychoanalyst who loves literature, I, Dr. Norman, was drawn to him because here was a clinician who also had given himself a great books education and who not only loved soulful Russian novels, philosophy, and ancient mythology, but who also seemed to treat them as his most treasured inheritance. But he also did illuminating statistical research on personality and temperament and had studied neuroscience. Though training as a behaviorist, he was powerfully drawn to psychoanalysis with its focus on dreams, archetypes, and the persistence of childhood conflicts in the adult, and the role of defenses and rationalization in everyday life. He was also an outlier in being the only member of the research-oriented Department of Psychology at the University of Toronto who also kept a clinical practice. See what I mean is he about- like Dr. House? Do you know, do you know what House is? Mm-mm. Oh, we might have to do an episode of- Watch, watch an episode of House one of these days. I would be, I would be down for that. But I, he may be like House, but without the cynicism. He, he, yes, he's he's like cynical. House, but that childlike fascination yeah. and that there are videos. I saw a video on YouTube actually that it was the sort of thing where it, it, the title of the video was "If you hate Jordan Peterson, watch, watch this. this video," and it was it was just him talking about people and talking about helping people and just breaking down into tears on stage hmm. because that really is all that he wants to do. You know, he was- to he help was, people. He was in an interview with somebody and the guy was like, dude, what do you want? And he was like, to help people. And the guy was like, okay, okay sure. But like, what do you actually, like, what do you actually? And he was yeah. like, there is there is no other reason why I would be doing this. Yeah. You know, he's like, the, the success of this book right here is completely unprecedented and it's done very well. And yeah. I think he's probably made a lot of money. Yeah. But he did not, and that's, I can give you the rundown of the overture. Basically, what happened was is that he got on Quora, mm-hmm. the, the question yeah, yeah, website, yeah, yeah. and he just started answering questions, and people were like, dude, you're really good at this. Yeah. And then, I guess, Random House reached out to him and was like, hey, do you want to put these in a book? Don't you wish that Random House reached out to you and he was just like, would you like to? I mean, maybe, but imagine <clears> the pressure. <laughs> imagine the pressure though of Random House being like and so that's basically yeah. how this book came about is yeah. that he was just on he, he's a Redditor you know like he, he's, he's right. right like he's a, he's a an incredibly well established well read intelligent yeah. beyond but see at the time Redditor. at the time he wasn't at the time nobody really knew who he was right like to a, to a very real degree, this book sort of catapulted him to the place that he is now. Right. But he was already at that level of intelligence. Oh, oh this was absolutely. This just his level absolutely. Of, of volume. But I think that's, so there, he may be like House in that regard, but I think it's, um, I think that there's a very, he really does just care about people and the pain that he sees in people hurts him deeply. Yeah. And the mistakes that he sees, and I think wanting people to live full and meaningful lives mm-hmm. is really, which is why he keeps a practice. He's the only member of the research-oriented Department of Psychology at the University of Toronto. He's getting played pent, he, wow. Which is the opposite of House. House hates mm. keeping office hours. So maybe that is, that's the, you know, that's the difference yeah. is that he, and he's getting paid plenty, I'm sure. I'm sure that he could live Actually, and that I think about it, I don't remember why I said House, because that is like the, well, House does want to help people, but he sees them. Anyway, I'm not going to get into a whole House mm. thing right now. Yeah, yeah. I just want to um, clear my good name about I do know what television is. <laughs> As will, there will be no doubt by the end uh, of this podcast. You'll, uh, you will be very aware that he does know what television is and that I have yet to find out. So, there's that. I don't see that as a vice in either of us, by the way. No, I don't either. On my visits, our conversations began with banter and laughter. Hmm. 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 That was the small town Peterson from the Alberta hinterland. His teenage years right out of the movie Fubar. I don't know what that is. I don't know either. (laughs) (laughs) Welcoming you into his home. The house had been gutted by Tammy, his wife, and himself, and turned into perhaps the most fascinating and shocking middle-class home I had seen. 
They had art, some carved masts, and abstract portraits. But they had they were overwhelmed by a huge collection of original socialist realist paintings of Lenin and the early communists commissioned by the USSR. Not long after the Soviet Union fell and most of the world breathed a sigh of relief, Peterson began purchasing this propaganda for a song online. Paintings lionized the Soviet revolutionary spirit completely filled every single wall, the ceilings, even the bathrooms. Why? The paintings were... This is fascinating. I'm really interested. Keep going. The paintings were not there because George Jordan had any totalitarian sympathies. I suspect it. But because he wanted to remind himself of something he knew he and everyone would rather forget. Oh. That over a hundred million people were murdered in the name of Utopia. And this is why when uh, Reagan when Reagan dang. said something about he strikes me as a little totalitarian or socialist, I was like, Oh my good sir, allow me to disillusion you. He is anything but. Isn't that just the most Okay, okay, I don't disagree, and mm. I don't know enough uh, enough Peterson to to say one way or the other. Mm. But I, I I admire the sentiment. I love that he does yeah. that. But so many of my favorite characters in in film and book and whatever are are accused and are guilty of the very thing that they set out to destroy. I mean, it's a very just human quality. Now that I think that Peterson yeah. goes there, but yeah. I'd be really interested to see where he like if if there are things that were like you know what that is a little bit like Lenin. We'll keep a tally. Let's, yeah. You know what? What? As we go through this, let's you know see if he sets out to if he succeeds in not becoming the thing that he not. It'll also be, be an interesting contrast, I think, with Proverbs because what is what what kind of government does Absolutely. Israel have? Absolutely, it's totalitarian, and the yeah. and the the, the Bible does not set that out as a good know, thing. You know, so. <laughs> uh, it, yeah. We might be at the end of our time here. I think that's a great place to end. Yeah, it's a think good, that, good place to stop. Yeah. That, um, I always wanted to say, I think we're at the end of our time. You have always wanted to say that, haven't you? <laughs> I've always, my mom always said I had a face made for radio. You had a face made for radio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Benjamin, why does your mother do you like this? I don't think mom actually ever said, well, no, I take that back. <laughs> I'm pretty sure oh, she, she did. Definitely, she definitely she did definitely say that. Said I love that my mother. I love my mother. She's one of the funniest I my people I know. Yeah. All right. But, I think, I think this is, I think this has been Great. This has been a I think great. This is exactly that, that's what this is going to be. It's you just going to be us gonna... having a conversation. Yeah. And if you happen to join in, you're more than welcome to. And if not, no skin off our nose. Yeah. Anyway, for those we of enjoy us, this, we so do. we're happy. What this is is basically us, you know, hoping that there are other people that would li like to watch us have conversations as much as we like to watch, watch us ourselves have, have conversations. <laughs> we're a little egotistical. That sounds that way. so narcissistic. It does. But really, it does. you know, take that with the best of intentions so welcome to the pontification podcast pontification podcast thank you emblem coming soon we have an emblem yeah yes